welcome to this podcast, recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Uh, my kids are actually enjoy, enjoyed the, uh, the teaching your kids to prayer so much that it made me consider if I'm actually doing it right myself. <laughs> We're, uh, we're starting off a new series. It's uh, my, uh, my privilege to kind of kick it off. We're a new series called Take a Breath. Take a Breath, that, uh, that, that idea that, you know, we come into the presence of God. We come into uh, just, just his glory, into, into his presence. And it's that sort of reminder, that sort of idea that, you know, we sometimes just need to stop and take a breath. You know, it's sometimes we think stopping and l- taking in information is the same thing. But, you know, there's, there's times where God comes into our lives and he'll, he'll speak a word and it, it sort of inspires and instructs. But there's other times where, like, he just touches your life, right? He just, yeah. he just touches it. And, and, and we say that, and it sounds quite vague because, in a sense, it's a really difficult thing to kind of describe. It's like you come away just with this sense of encouragement, this, this sense of uh, support, of, of being upheld. There's, there's something when the presence of God comes around that just kind of changes our outlook on things. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, at yeah. the end of the, the, the prayer meetings, the, the prayer house we've been having on Sunday night, they pretty much, they, they all have kind of, they, they go different ways, they start at different points, and they, they take a different journey. But I kind of find that all the ones I've been at, it generally just sits at... Everyone's just sitting at the end, just sort of pondering on the things of God. Like, there's just this sort of peace, this, this, uh, you know, like the words have been already been spoken, and now it's just this receiving, this touch of God, this idea of just sitting and taking a breath. And, and, and I think that's something just that, that we need to really just get hold of, just to grab hold of, just to soak up his presence. Soak up his presence as he ministers into our hearts, ministers into our lives, that we have that life that is faith-filled. You know, that faith-filled life, rediscovering that faith-filled life. You know, there's times in our life where, where we really hunker down into faith. You know, we want God to sort of elevate us out of a situation or, or into something that we, 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 we are seeking. And, and when we do that, it's like God's sort of giving us that boost up to the next level. And as soon as we kind of get to the next level, we just sort of get on our way. We just keep on going and we don't look back. And, but the touch of God, just it's that reminder. It's like, no, 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 just stay in faith. Stay in faith or else you're going to yeah. run out of steam sooner or later the touch of God just keeps us connected to his love keeps us connected to his presence and you know that's a that's a a thing that I want to emphasize this morning because because we all we all have busy lives everyone has a busy life I I, I, I'd love to take credit for this observation but it was something I heard uh, just this week it was this idea that when you ask people about their work life for instance Either it is incredibly busy, incredibly sort of demanding, or it is so easy they can't even believe they get paid for it. You know, and there's very seldom is there anything in between. And Laura had like three jobs in a row where like, she was like, I don't really know what they pay me for, but I'm going to keep going. You know, <laughs> she loved it. She had the grace. Uh, but, but if you ask people, most people tell you how crazy, how busy, how, uh, how you know, depleting their job is. And it's quite difficult for us to have 
a fairly sort of accurate measured depiction because it's, it's personal to us what other people do, what their capacity is, how they live their lives is them. And, and, and for us, it's, it's pretty much anything that we are doing that, that, that isn't something that we maybe choose to do given sort of fully full freedom, full financial freedom, full sort of uh, res- uh, relief of all responsibilities. You know, that takes up a, a huge part of our lives. It's, 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 it's a really sort of intense process. And, 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 and that, is, that is what probably most people sort of experience throughout their lives, uh, maybe not every moment. Uh, on uh, last Sunday after church, uh, my, my daughter Lily said, uh, Dad, Dad, the summer holidays start tomorrow. Are you, are you going to be able to sort of be there with us? And, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm really sorry. Uh, I, I, I don't get the six weeks off like you guys. I get like maybe a week or so off in, in August, but I'll have to get up for work tomorrow just like, uh, just like every day. And she was like, oh, that's really sad. Anyway, I, I, came, in, I came in on uh, Monday and, and the kids were like, stop there, stop there, Dad. Don't, you have to shut your eyes. There's a surprise. I'm like, okay, all right, cool. So they, they took my hands and they led me through it. It would have been nice if they told me about the Lego on the floor. Ah, thanks very much. <laughs> A bit of a home alone moment there, and uh, uh, they bring me into the kitchen, and they say, "Open your eyes, Dad! Open your eyes!" And, and there on the counter, they've baked me a cake. They baked me a, a lemon drizzle cake, and they've decorated it. You know, we love you, Dad. And they had uh, they'd made me all these cards and these decorations. They picked me flowers that tasted great, and uh, <laughs> they got, they went to the supermarket and said to my mum, "Mum, mum, you've got to buy Dad the biggest Toblerone ever because it's Dad's favourite." Just in case any of you guys wondered. Uh, and, they, and they got me this and they just put it all out there I'm like wow I was so moved so touched I, I just didn't expect and I, I turned to Laura I was like Laura look thanks so much for kind of coordinating this effort and, and Laura just looked back at me with this like thousand yard stare this just look of total befuddlement and, and Lily chirps up and she goes dad 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 we just felt so sorry for you because you weren't able to uh, be there during the summer holidays whereas mum she gets to enjoy all six weeks with all of the kids for every single minute but you miss out Laura was like where's my cake <laughs> <laughs> but you know there is that there's that kind of balance that we're all trying to get that that we're all trying to uh, find strike that balance of kind of uh, you know in general terms like work church family there's probably other things as well but like in in sort of a, a sort of a a big picture view. They're the sort of three things that we're constantly trying to find balance. We're trying to find equilibrium would be a lovely thing, but I think most of us, as we sort of age and, and, and grow up and, and sort of understand how life kind of works, we realize there's sort of there's an ebb and a flow that, that there'll be a point where like this part of your life needs to take a bit more focus. But when you do that, then, then it's as if like the, the covers on your bed are just not big enough. And, and then you leave that bit over here just a little exposed. And you've got to go over here and maintain that. And you're kind of constantly sort of going between the three, going between the, the, the main things in your life and, 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 and there's just there's this unpredictability. Like you're not necessarily always in control of that, of that flow, of that, that ebb and flow. You know what I mean? You know, like it's like something... And that's, that's pretty... That's something that's probably quite a hard thing for, for a person to kind of deal with is the idea that, that sometimes your life seems to run you as opposed to you run them. And I, I appreciate that there's stewarding of time and things like that, but there are... You know, there, there are emergencies that arise. There's unpredictability in our life. And I know for myself, the way I 
uh, sort of cope with life often is I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit of a taskmaster. I, I, I like to sort of have job, a job list. I like to sort of tick off box. Like my brain is some kind of Sudoku that I'm just sort of filling in as I go along and trying to make it all sort of match up. And it's, uh, it's this sort of maximum effort with sort of minimum emotion, uh, which, you know, uh, efficiency through slashing empathy, which, which, which you know, it's is, is in parts of my life. It's like that's really, that's a really useful thing facility you know in my work life like being able to sort of process work like that is really uh it's really useful but there are also uh, lots of other parts of my life where uh, that that isn't useful at all that that it's actually really counterproductive and and you know a balanced life requires a fully balanced person and and i'm not sure if i know any I don't think I know any. I, do we think Bella? She's probably pretty balanced right now. Once she's filled her nappy, like you can spin her around like a basketball or something like that. She's pretty balanced, but, but she's not even a year old. You know, I think it's, it's really difficult to be a totally balanced person because our lives are not balanced. And so we are a little bit sort of, we are pushed around by that. And, and you know, you can be kind of in your, in your usual setting, in your, in your normal life, uh, your normal everyday life, you know, you can have it kind of sorted, that, that you can kind of maybe breeze through or you just understand how it works, that it can be relatively effortless. But what happens if you are sort of, you're sort of unsettled? You're undone. You're un- uh, the, the, the things of your life just sort of turn on their head, that the, the table is thrown over and, and there's the sort of, you're left with sort of chaos. Do you, do you operate as effortlessly in those circumstances, you know, can you function uh, in the same way, or, or is or is your grace, is the genius of your life, is the is the uh, the giftings of your life, are they are they in some way conditional? Is the grace of your life conditional? Is the grace of how you handle life is that a, is that on a conditional basis? Is it is it dependent upon the workings of your circumstances going according to plan, or are they something more? If we, if we turn to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 to 9. You see, this message that I, that I put together, before I even started, just, I felt God just really put a word of just this, almost a sense of encouragement, a sense of sort of uh, like just taking off the roof in a sense, just, just something uh, where God wanted to really inspire the church and, and, and let them leave and, and come out with, with a greater sense of what God has placed upon the inside. Or just a word of tremendous sort of building up and, and almost breakthrough in some of your lives. And that's, and that's what I really want to minister this morning. So uh, if you read with me, uh, well, don't actually literally read with me. That would be kind of a, a bit Sunday school. Uh, but if we start in verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident... And know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Or away from it. Either there or not there. And sort of as a Christian, being a Christian... I think we, life sometimes presents itself as being somewhat untenable at times. That you are neither one nor kind of quite the other. Uh, You are longing constantly in your life for that 
intimate encounter with God, yet you know that you are tasked at the same time with, with reaching the outside of that embrace, of, of, of reaching outside. That, that, that we come into church and we, and we glorify God, we worship God, we, we lift his praises, we sing those songs, and then we race throughout the week, race throughout the week. Maybe do a prayer meeting in there somewhere, and we race throughout the week. And then we come back and we're praising again, and we're checking the time, and we're praising again, and we race through the week. There's this sort of, this, this momentum that carries us along. It's not something we necessarily create for ourselves. But we're longing for that intimate. We're longing for that intimacy, for that vulnerability. We are both heavenly minded, yet earthly bound. So there's this sort of, you're trying to sort of work on two levels at the same time. And, and, and the question that I think we sometimes ask of whether we necessarily put it in these terms, but is, is fulfillment possible? If we are, if it's sort of, and is it genuine, if it's, if it's temporal? If we're only in church for a couple of hours a day, if we're only, or a week even, and, and, and we try and get there as much as possible, is that, is that, is that going to satisfy? Is that going to give us the sense of fulfillment? That, or, 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 is it, or is it kind of almost in a sense we're having to sort of uh, live with what we can get and, and, and that we have to sort of fill in the gaps the rest of the time? We see... As I said, this is a message of encouragement. I want you to know that, that God, God is greater than our disposition. God is greater than our circumstances. There is scope within every walk of life to please him and to enjoy the benefits of his favor. You can please him whether you're in church or away from church. You can please him in everything that you do, in every walk of life. There is the, there is the possibility, there is the potential, there is uh, the template to receive the benefits of his favor. If we turn to uh, Titus 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I'm going to map out for you like a little bit of a, a metaphor, like an example. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about Laura and I's house when we moved into it. But what I'm really kind of talking about is our lives. So if you just sort of keep those two things in. When, when Laura and I moved into our house uh, about nine years ago, uh, it, was a, it was a proper doer-upper. I mean, it was, it was absolutely busted up in the inside. Everything was broken. There wasn't really any carpets. There wasn't any wallpaper. It was just, it looked like a squat, but we had to pay to live there. Uh, and, and it wasn't perfect, right? So so we lived in this place, and, 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 it, and it was, I guess in a sense, it's a bit like our lives when we don't have the presence of God in it. That just, everything is a bit frustrating, everything is a bit of a hindrance, you find yourself tripping over things and nicking yourself on nails. It just, there's all of this stuff that just sort of frustrates and causes all this hindrance and this built-up sort of uh, contention and irritation on the inside. If we uh, look at 2 Corinthians 5 verse 4. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Burdened in our tent, our tent being our lives, being our bodies, being our humanity. We groan and are burdened and just sort of are, 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 are unsatisfied. And, and, and it was a bit like that in our house that we would sort of, we trudge around in this broken house just sort of wondering how we could possibly live there until we heard a knock at the door. 
the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation. He's appeared at the front door. He's come to the front door of your house. And we open that door and, and day after day, different members of our family, my dad and, and friends from church would come around and they would, they would help us mend the brokenness that enveloped us, that surrounded us. They would come in and they would, they would mend stuff. And, and I, I, I'm always sort of amazed that when, when builders and tradesmen come in and sort of do up a place, just how much sort of wreckage is left there. You know, I, they're, they're, they're redoing a shop around the corner from here to make it into a Greg's or something. And I, I walked past it the day and I could not believe just how much wreckage there was. There was shards of glass. There was bits of wood. I'm sure there was a skeleton in there somewhere. You know, there was just, it was just wrecked. And and yet, I know what the purpose is. You have to pull down what is there. You have to tear down the things that were there before because they, they, will, they will undo. They, will, they are counterproductive. They are against what you are trying to create. And, and the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and it, and it sometimes tears down some stuff, but only so that it can build something new. He teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. He teaches us. Note that he says teaches and that he doesn't say dictates. He teaches us because you have to, you have to re-educate the dweller or else the dwelling will fall back into disrepair. Amen? Like he has to. He teaches us. He doesn't say, I'm just going to do this for you. He teaches us. Teaching is a process by which you learn and understand by doing, by, by, by seeing how the, the process works. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives is he, he shows us the point of why things are being broken down. He doesn't just break them down. You're like, oh, why is everything in disrepair? No, he teaches us so that we can maintain that which he is building in our lives. Amen? And, it, and it's that structure, that structure of what God is building in our lives I really want us to get hold of this day because I think there's a structure in there there's, there's a blueprint in there that God has for every single one of us to help us to live that life that is greater than just what the sum of what we can achieve in a 24-hour period and so I want you to take that illustration I gave you of, of our lives being a bit like a broken down house and I want you to, to shift that slightly instead of it being like a house of bricks and mortar but but think of it more like like a tent like how the, the, the verse there said, our lives are like a tent. And think of it like a tent. And, and think how a tent is different from a house. They can both still be homes, but, but tents have this ability to be adaptable. Yeah. They have an adaptability to them. We, and the verse that I read earlier said, we live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. We have three components there for which God gives us to build a life. The upright. We are the upright. They are the tent poles of your life. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are not righteous by our own, by our own making, by our own deeds or anything like that. We are righteous because he, that is Jesus, came sinless yet took all of our sin so that we might be transformed. We might be able to receive the righteousness that came from God. We are the backbone. That righteousness is the backbone. It is the strength that upholds our lives. And it is being rooted in the righteousness that God has proclaimed upon us. He proclaims righteousness. Righteousness that is defined by his holiness. 
It is his holiness that defines how large and how long and how strong that uprightness is in our lives. Those tent poles in our life, what they can support. But whether they support our lives, whether they uphold our lives, whether our lives hang to this righteousness is our choice. That is the choice of the human. That is, that is what God, God has given us, the, the righteousness that came through the sacrifice of Jesus' life. But, but it's our choice as to whether we, we pitch that skew or, or whether we cast it aside and, and allow it to be uh, squandered. That, that's our choice. And that's, that's where the self-control element comes in. Self-control is whether is that, that sort of that choice to lean into what God has provided us. Yeah. To lean in. It's, it's, it's the discipline is like the guy ropes for that tent of our lives. It's the guy ropes, the tension that allows us to raise that standard yeah. over our lives. But, I, but, but encouragingly, because I, I, I want this to, you guys to realize that, that God has laid all of this stuff out for us. That there's not one part of it that, that stands exposed, that stands vulnerable, that is vulnerable to our human frailty. See, that self-control is not within a vacuum. It's not discipline within a vacuum. It's not like, well, here's all the bits, but really you have to hold it together. We are transformed by Christ. Amen? We are transformed by him. And he creates within us. When we receive Christ into our life, when the Holy Spirit takes residence within us, it creates this totally new sort of gravity, this, this pull towards the holiness of God. It takes this gravity to our intent. We, we experience almost like this sort of magnetic pull towards righteousness that sort of repels the carnal nature that sits within. Holiness creates this impulse towards, uh, towards righteousness. It, and, and it just, it, it pulls us towards him. It pulls us in a way, it's a bit like this. If you imagine... Uh, that when you sort of construct uh, a choice, when you're making a decision and you're sort of weighing up all the factors, you're weighing up all the things that you need to consider when making a decision, if you think of it as being like a, a flat pack furniture, right? And you, you take, all the, take all the elements, you take all the parameters, you take all the factors, and you probably do this in like a nanosecond, but you kind of take all of them and you just sort of, you construct something, you construct a decision, you put all these bits and pieces together. Uh, I don't know if this, I might be saying this, and this might be a totally way that men think about things, I don't really know, I'm not a woman, but uh, if, if it's not, just kind of go with me. But, uh, but this idea that we kind of construct decisions and we, we bang all the pieces together and, and go, now that's probably our choice, and that's kind of the, the very postmodern way of, of doing things, that, tr- uh, that truth is kind of what we define it to be, that we, we take all these different sort of ideologies and we smash them all together and we sort of they just create this sort of thing, oh, it looks like a table, I'm not, sure if I, I'm not sure if I can put anything on it, like what does it support? Like this is my ethos, but don't ask me any questions about it, because it might fall down under any sort of scrutiny whatsoever. And that's kind of, that's kind of a postmodern way, it's like we kind of, we just define what truth is, we define what our ideology is, but hey, it might just be like a piece of furniture that's been smashed together, that's been bound together, but, but a choice when, when you have God involved, when the Holy Spirit is ministering your life, think of it differently, there's, there's all, it's like, like a piece of Ikea furniture, like there's, there's all of these grooves, there's all of these runners, there's all of these little guides in there that, that, that just make it easier for all the bits to go into place properly, to build something that is structurally sound. It's, it's, it's this, all of this sort of, this, this underlying sort of infrastructure that God just guides us down. He leads us down, that, that he helps our decisions be ones that just pull ourselves towards him. 
That we find this, although sin is, is, is tempting and, 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 and it sort of sometimes draw, draws our eye, it's, but at the same time there's, there's this sense on the inside, it's like, no, that is not the thing of God. That is going to take me down the wrong path. And, and you feel within yourself just this repellent, this almost like two, two wrong sort of fields of a magnet being pushed together. It's like, ah, no, I don't think I can go down that route. Uh, I can't go down that route. And, and the, the, the self-control is not one that just sort of is down to us. It's like God has set apart. He set us apart. He upholds us. He strengthens those decisions. He guides those thoughts. He gives us a way to construct decisions, to make choices that uphold us, that build us up. His holiness reveals this, this synergy that, that supersedes the dysfunction of our humanity. Our humanity sits there, and yet, and yet we sort of are able to be elevated above that. That is the self-control that God gives us. And then the final one is a godly life. Godly life extends over all like a canvas. It is the canvas of the tent that we overlay upon our natural existence. It's the, it's the covering that, that God provides us to shield us from all the elements and to create the dwelling place. It is the dwelling place. The canvas is everything that is visible from the outside and also everything that we rely upon from the inside. If you, if you think back to, to the tabernacle, the tabernacle which was a place where, where the Spirit of God dwelt throughout the, the Bible. And at first you could approach the tabernacle, you could approach the presence of God through uh, a process of cleansing and, and sanctification. And it was like real specific and, and only really like one person could really do it and they would do it on behalf of all people. But it was like real difficult to sort of get to that place. It had to be sort of very built up. And yet there was also sort of a period where David's tabernacle where, where the, the presence of God be, could be approached through praise and thanksgiving. Uh, and ultimately... God dwelt there because he wanted to be available. He wanted to be accessible to, be man, to man. He wanted to be in the midst of mankind. But then Jesus came. And Jesus gave his life. He, he was, he, his, through his death and through his resurrection, that script was flipped. The old became new and something changed. His sacrifice meant that we could receive the Holy Spirit into our lives, that we were adopted as his dwelling place, that we became the carriers of his presence, that he, there was this spiritual awakening where God took up residence within our lives. That's the presence of God, that it lives within us, that it creates this home, it creates a tent, it creates a dwelling place within our lives. And, and, a, and as I said, a tent is different from a house because a tent can go anywhere. It can be uh, put up in any circumstances and yet it still represents a home. It still represents rest. It still represents security. It still represents sanctuary. You know, it's the promise that the godly life which envelops us and it goes wherever we go. That's, that's why it's like a tent and not a house because the spirit of God, the presence of God, the godly life, how God has intended us to live is one where it goes everywhere we go. It goes in church. It goes in work. It goes in school. It goes in college. It goes at home. It goes everywhere you go. 
because it is adaptable. It is not rigid. It is not held to certain points. It is not confined to two or three hours during a week in church. No. The presence of God goes everywhere with you. You don't leave it behind. It comes with you. It's, a, it's, it's something that we must establish. We establish his presence in our new surroundings. Wherever we go, we unfurl that canvas. We pitch that tent. You see, every, every environment that you go, if you've ever been camping, you'll kind of know this, but every environment will sort of naturally present its own form of resistance, whether it be kind of rocky ground or, or fading light or, or, or strong winds. And, and you know, you'll go and there'll be, uh, the lives around you will, will present resistance. There will be doubt. There will be bitterness. There will be unforgiveness. There will be condemnation. Those, those things are sort of surrounding us. But the path of least resistance, the path of least resistance is just to lie down in that field, to just lie down in your environment and, and, and allow yourself to be overcome by exposure, to allow the, the life, to allow the gift, to allow the purpose that God has placed within you to just drain away, to drain away and have no, have no meaning, have no outlet. That's the path of least resistance. There is effort required in raising a tent, in establishing his presence, in stimulating that flow of grace in your surroundings. But what you find when you, when you set up a tent, when you establish a camp, is that you transform the wilderness of your surroundings into a place of habitation. You will, you will forge paths. You will, you will rearrange the features that surround you. You will introduce this sort of functionality and this convenience to where you are. If you have ever camped anywhere, you might have turned up and on day one it was just a field. There was nothing there and a couple of, uh, you know, sticks and a tree and all that kind of stuff. If you're there for like three, four days, it's just transformed. Like you, there are just these sort of natural paths of convenience. These, these, it just begins functionality. Oh, that rock over there, we use that as a table. You know, we, we've got a little pile over here where we put all the, put all the wood so that we can make a fire. Just so you bring order to the chaos. That's what pitching your tent in the surroundings is. It's that you bring a functionality. You bring something of the presence of God, the order of God, the, the, uh, the confirmation of what he wants to do in the lives around us. Where once your presence was resisted, your dwelling becomes central. It becomes essential. Different parties receive the ministry of God through the altar you establish. Order and provision emerge from your existing. And it reflects the presence of God. That's what, that's what we happens when we, when we make camp, when we bring our life and we pitch our tent, rather than just sort of going out there and be like, I'll just sort of, I'll rough it. I'll, I'll rough it in this situation. I, I, I won't rely on God in this situation. No, bring your tent with you. Yeah. Bring the yeah. godly life, that canvas, unfurl it and pitch that tent. Because what you will do is you will create a place where other people find the presence of God, where the presence of God is reflected onto them. The wilderness and lawlessness that surround us is harnessed and is repurposed for the benefit of the redeemed. Yeah. Amen? The, and what, just, just in finishing, just, just as, a, as a final point, what is it that is inside that tent? What is the culture within that tent, within that dwelling place? It's fruitful. It's inviting. It's a place of belonging. 
It's, dare I say, enticing. If, if you look at Galatians 5, 22 to 23, the, spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you, if you had a friend who knew that's what your house was like, that was what your dwelling place was like, all of those things, a place of gentleness, a place of love, a place of joy, a place of understanding. If, if you had a friend who, who knew that's what your place was like and, and came over and took some time to take in the environment, to take in the atmosphere, what would they want to do? They would want to return. They would want to come back. That is what is, that's what's inside that tent, what's inside the dwelling place, because it is the Spirit of God. You have set up a temple. Your life is a temple. It is an altar to God, such that you carry that culture within you. You carry that within the tent of your life. And what others experience when, when that canvas is stretched out over them. See, that's the great thing about a canvas, is you can keep on stretching it. You stretch it over to other people's lives, that they can come in out of the cold, out of the dark, out of the desolation, out of the disappointment, out of the despair. They can come in to a new environment. They can experience something that is different from what they have known, that they come in out of the cold. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 5. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. If everyone would just stand with me. Thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.